and welcome to episode 67 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to bake a warm, fluffy loaf of bread. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about comfort games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like Detective, a modern crime board game, and Fireball Island, the Curse of Volcar. Then, we talk about our personal comfort games, the games that are cozy and familiar go-tos. Finally, we wrap things up with a look at the etymology of the word familiar. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. We have a couple of announcements real quick. So you all probably have noticed in your pod catcher of choice or on our social media feeds or our website or somewhere that we have a brand new logo. Yay! Woohoo! And it is super exciting. Uh, We were working on it for a few months and we have to give a shout out to, and I'm apologizing if I pronounce your last name correctly, incorrectly, but Rebecca Rollman is the person who designed it for us. So please, please, if you see Rebecca on Twitter or elsewhere, say thank you to her for doing that for us because she's the best. But yeah, new logo also means new merch. So as a bunch of you probably know, we used to have shirts available on a website that no longer exists called Analog Gamer. Well, we now have shirts again. They are on redbubble.com. The easiest way to find them, if you go to Redbubble and just search for Board Game Blitz, three separate words, uh, you will see both of our designs. We brought back our retro pizza place design that we had previously, and we also have our new logo on merch. And you can get them in just about any tangible form you want. Shirts, (laughs) stickers, mugs, pillows, a duvet cover if you're feeling real frisky. I mean, if anybody gets the duvet cover, A, I will be shocked. B, I don't know. I'll send them literally all of the swag that I have currently from Blitz. Because <laughs> that's that's dedication right there. I don't expect anybody to get it, but we made it available because it was an option. So if you want some merch, definitely head over to Redbubble and subscribe to Redbubble's emails because they have deals pretty frequently for like 20, 30% off stuff. So you want to use those discount codes if you can find them. And uh, we're really excited. A bunch of people ordered the new merch on Cyber Monday, got them at a discount. And so hopefully we'll be seeing more Board Game Blitz logos out in the wild soon. Oh, one other quick announcement before we head into the main episode. Sorry, almost forgot. Head over to the Board Game Blitz YouTube channel as well because we just put up our Patreon funding goal video where Ambi and I and patron of the show Keith ate a bunch of weird foods. Spicy stuff, sour stuff, gross stuff. Uh, It was a lot of fun. We recorded it live at BGGCon and it is on the Board Game Blitz YouTube channel. So go check that out as well. On Black Friday, I bought Detective, a modern crime board game, which is a 2018 release by Portal Games. And Detective is a mystery game, detective game, where you're detectives working together to solve crimes. And it's kind of like the game Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which we've talked about before on the show. There's different cases and there's text that you're reading and you're following different leads to try to figure out, um, like, solve a crime. But also in Detective, there's a internet website, like a whole database of all these people and like evidence with fingerprints that you can enter into the database and look it up and you match things together. So as you come across certain leads and like learn more about people, you can enter it into the database and make links with that, which is really neat. So it's a combination between the board game and then that internet site. And then sometimes you can also Google things because it has something that's 
common knowledge in uh, quotes because you might not know it, but you can Google it to figure out what it is, like a certain plant or something. So uh, we, we played one case so far. There's, I think, five cases in the whole game and it's campaigned together. So some things that you find out in the first case can be relevant in future cases. Uh, I've, I've heard they link together pretty well. I haven't played through the whole thing yet because we've only done one case, but it's pretty exciting because we already found some leads that link to future cases. The way it works is there's a deck of cards that have the text on it. And then if you go to a place that's not for that case, but for a future one, it says, oh, don't read this now, but put it in the later case. So we found a couple of those. So that's really exciting. And uh, I've just been playing it, just me and Toby, two players, because it's one to five players, but it's like a lot of reading. So you probably don't want to play with five players. But yeah, that that's Detective, a modern crime board game. Really fun if you like detective type games like Sherlock Holmes, Consulting Detective. So like in Sherlock Holmes, um, the the components are a big map and mm-hmm. then like an address book and then yeah. another book. In this game, what exactly, like what are, how does it work mechanically? You don't have to explain it in detail, but I just kind of like, I don't know how to wrap my head around it. Yeah, so there's like a little map and then this deck of cards for each case and a case book that has the intro. But instead of having a directory where you can go anywhere, there's certain leads that you get at the beginning. And so you can only follow a certain amount of leads and then it tells you what card to look at. And then depending on where you go, you get more leads. So it's more structured in that you can't just go anywhere like in Sherlock, but there's only certain leads that you can follow. And then also you can look online um, on that database, which is a website that's made by them. Can you play this without using the online tools? No, you have to use their tool. So so the database is connected. And like when you answer the questions at the end, it's on the database. And they don't actually tell you the correct answers because it it might uh, affect future cases for everything. Um, Oh, so so do you not know how you did then? They tell you how you did, but they don't tell you what the correct answers are all the time. Okay. So basically, if you got it perfect, that's the only way you're going to know everything. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, so I didn't play, I've never actually played Sherlock Holmes, but we, Mm -hmm. as we've discussed, I've played Mythos Tales, which is Mm -hmm. basically the same thing. This sounds more interesting to me. Like, I like the the fact that it's a little more structured. Although I have heard, there's another game that came out recently called Chronicles of Crime. Have Mm -hmm. you gotten a chance to play that one yet? Yeah, I playtested that at BGGCon last year. It's a very different feel, I think. For me, that feels more like one of those video games where you like point and click and stuff, but it has, because it's more interactive with an app that you're looking through, like a VR app, and you're looking at the scene of the crime and looking at different items, and then you have QR codes that you scan depending on what you looked at. So I guess it's a similar theme, but it feels different to me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, because I know uh, Tom Vassell in, I believe, one of his videos or reviews, he said that Chronicles of Crime kind of killed Detective for him. Mm -hmm. So I was curious. Both sound interesting to me, but I think I would like Chronicles of Crime more. But I'm still interested in trying both of them. Yeah. And I've heard other people say that they like Detective more. So I think it just depends on what type of experience you like. Gotcha. I mean, I honestly, I'm into anything VR related right now. (laughs) So I feel like maybe that's why that one appeals to me. It's just an excuse to do VR stuff. I love, love VR things. So, okay. So 
I got to play a lot of games at BGGCon, and we could probably talk for hours about all of those games. Obviously, we did our BGGCon episode. We just released our BGGCon vlog over on the Dice Tower. So if people haven't watched that yet, head over to the Dice Tower's YouTube channel to watch our full vlog from BGGCon. Uh, and one of the video or one of the games you'll see in that video that I wanted to tell you all about here is Fireball Island: The Curse of Volcar. So Fireball Island was originally a board game that came out in the 1980s. It was a kids game and it was pretty much a straightforward roll and move game, but it was on a 3D board where you were dropping marbles uh, down and they were rolling down the board and knocking people over. And it was pretty simplistic, but a lot of people had very fond memories of it. I never got to play it as a kid, but I had heard a lot about it. Well, Restoration Games decided to bring back Fireball Island, and boy, oh boy, did they do that, because I don't know how they've, they've crafted this 3D board that comes in three different pieces, so it ends up being much bigger than the original board and taller. Um, it's no longer a roll and move game. Instead of rolling a die to move, you have action cards that have movement values on them as well as different actions you can take. Your goal in this game is to get uh, around Fireball Island's 3D board to collect snapshots, one of each of three different colors, as well as collect treasures, and then get back to the helicopter before everyone else and escape. Yes, that's helicopter, not helicopter. <laughs> I think that's pretty cute, and I refuse to say it the like the normal word because helicopter is better so really you're just wandering around this board collecting treasure tokens stealing treasures from other players um if you knock them over with marbles but yeah the actions you can take you can push little ember marbles off of these precarious perches that are all over the island you can drop the fireballs into volcar and what's neat about volcar it's a plastic molded piece that has three different shoots coming out of it so anytime you drop a marble into it you're not certain where exactly it's going to come out and volcar can be rotated. So you can kind of point him in the direction you want the marbles to go, but it's still not a guarantee that they're going to go exactly where you want them to. So basically, chaos happens a lot. You have souvenir cards that you collect when you get knocked over that give you special powers. And then the points at the end of the game are based on how many snapshots you collected if you got to the helicopter before the game ended and uh, your treasure tokens, which are set collection points based. And that's kind of it. It's very simple, but it's a lot of fun. And I imagine a lot of people are kind of wondering, you know, is this a game that I should spend? I think it's $75 at retail for the base game. You know, that's obviously not a small chunk of change. Is this for me? I would say if you have kids, this is an easy get because the, the rules are approachable enough that even fairly young children could understand them. I don't have any kids and I don't play games with kids in my regular game group. And I am still very happy to have this as well. I think if your game group is the type that really enjoys having some silly fun occasionally or often as it were, this is a great game to have in your collection. Like I don't imagine I'm going to be breaking this out at game night every week because the setup and the teardown are a little bit lengthy. So it's not something I'm going to get to the table super frequently, but I think at a game night, you know, at that time of night, we're kind of everybody's not really like in their best headspace. Um, you're tired or it's just been a long day. This would be a really fun one to break out. Have you gotten a chance to play the new version of this one yet? No, I did play the old version once. I didn't play it as a kid, but one of my roommates when I was an adult had had the game and had played it as a kid and we played it with him and it wasn't that... <laughs> 
exciting without nostalgia. But but yeah, the new one probably sounds sounds better because I think it was just like roll and move before. Right. I don't remember there being much of a goal. <laughs> and what's interesting is um, I've talked to Justin Jacobson with Restoration Games, and he has said in multiple interviews that his company has a unique challenge when they bring these games back because you're not they're not they're not they're not trying to get the game as good as it was. They're trying to make it as good as people remember it being. Yeah. And most people remember these older board games in very highly rated ways, like because mm -hmm. of the nostalgia and the fact that you were a kid and you didn't know about other board games. These are elevated in a way that is somewhat unattainable, I think. And I think Restoration has done a really good job of bringing these games back in a way that does make them as good as people remember, not just how good the games were originally. This mm -hmm. is why I cannot wait for the day the Restoration announces <laughs> that they're going to bring back the Omega virus. I don't, I, Justin has told me that it is definitely on their list, but it just, for, I don't know what the reasons are for why it hasn't happened yet. It is one of their most requested ones. Probably just by me, but no, I, know other, I know other people want it too. But I, I can see in my head all of the ways that the original Omega virus could be brought back and made even more epic, especially considering the electronic components. But they've said app integration has been one of their things that they've struggled with in some of their titles. So, and I think app integration would be necessary mm -hmm. probably for the Omega virus. But hey, you know what? They did say that the Dark Tower game that they're bringing back they're not having it be app controlled. It is actually going to be an electronic device as part of the game. And I'm very curious to see how they do that. I've gone on a tangent. Needless to say, I think Restoration Games is doing a really good job of bringing back older games and making them a lot of fun for modern gamers. So if you see this one on sale and you have kids, and you have the money and you're, it's comfortable for you, get it. If you are unsure, maybe try and find it at a local game store or at a convention and give it a play first. But I, I think it's a great title. I highly recommend it. I have a lot of fun with it. For this week's thematic segment, we are going to talk about comfort games. I think a lot of people are familiar with the term comfort food, and that obviously usually refers to like food that is really warm and cozy and makes you happy. And it's something that you love in like a really kind of like special way. And so for us, comfort games do the same thing. So uh, they're not something you eat, obviously, but they are games that, that have a familiarity to them that you just, you're always happy when you get them to the table. And so... We wanted to tell you about some of our favorites. Yeah, for me, when I was thinking of comfort games, I was thinking of games that I can just play without having to relearn the instructions. So games that don't have super difficult instructions or they're cooperative, so the instructions don't matter as much in cooperative games. But also, for me, comfort games is more like one to two player games because sometimes, or lots of times, I get stressed out when people come over and play games or there's higher player counts because I'm introverted and more people stress me out. So so like one comfort game for me is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which I mentioned in the recently played like so games like that, like Detective, Sherlock Holmes, story type games. And just like playing it at your own pace, reading through it, and you have like a hot drink with you and a blanket. <laughs> so comfort games for you aren't just about the game, but it's more about, it's, al it's also about the experience of playing it too. Yeah. 
just like a comfort time. Yeah, I think for me, I have some similar thoughts as far as what's comforting for me. Just like you, it is often games that I know so well that I never have to pull out the rule book. Because I've been told by multiple people in my game group that I teach games well, but I never feel like I'm teaching a game well in the midst mm-hmm. of it. I always feel like I'm skipping over things or I'm taking too long or I'm muddling things up or I'm missing things. Um, and it does not help that my husband, like I'll say something and I know I said it. And then three minutes later, my husband will ask me about that exact same thing. And I'm like, <laughs> I know I mentioned this. So like, I think those moments uh, kind of make me paranoid that I'm not doing a good job teaching the game. But yeah, so games that like I already know the rules to really, really well, and I can just pull out and teach. Because I think for me, even though I am extroverted, unlike you, and I'm out more outgoing and like enjoy being around people more, for my game group, we often tend to have new people coming in, or we pull out games that some people haven't played before. And so it is almost never that I pull out a game and everybody sitting at the table already knows how to play it. So I have Mm -hmm. to teach my own games a lot and I get paranoid when I have to do that for new people specifically. So yeah, I, man, though I wish if I could like have my dream game day, which obviously I don't think this could ever happen, (laughs) but like it would be an entire day filled with games with like my best friends where everyone already knew the rules to every single game we were playing. Like all of them. So we would literally just get a game out and start playing it and do that a bunch of times. That's never happened for me in any way, shape or form. Like ever. It's rare if that happens once in a game day. And I don't mind teaching, but it's just, it, it can be more tiring for me mentally to have to teach and play games. So yeah, I agree. And even with games that everyone knows, if they're longer complex games, like with us with 18xx games, even though we all know it and have played it before, we still have to go over some of the rules at the beginning or like set up and stuff like that. So that's not, that brings some stress to the game experience that makes it not a comfort game. Absolutely. Uh, My favorite games, like the Mm -hmm. games at the top of my top 100 list, none of them are comfort games for me. Even though I love them deeply, they all are longer complex games Mm -hmm. that I do. I have a little bit of anxiety when I pull them out, which is weird. You'd think if it's a thing I love (laughs) that there wouldn't be any anxiety attached to it. But it's almost like because I love these games and I talk about the fact that I love them, that I put a higher level of pressure (laughs) on myself because I don't want other people to be let down by the experience of playing the games that I've said I love. (laughs) It's so weird. But yeah, like I get more scared to teach the games I love sometimes. Um, And I just, I I kind of just realized that as I was saying this, but yeah, like I haven't played Battlestar Galactica at all in 2018. And that makes me super sad. I would love to play it. I do know there's a group of people planning on playing it on the Dice Tower cruise. So I feel like I have to get in on that. Yeah. David Peterson, who has been coming to MeepleCon for the past few years, he's going to be on the cruise and he's bringing it. So I got to get in on that. But yeah, like... It's the same things with uh, Star Trek Ascendancy or Runebound. Like those games are often hard to teach. So they don't hit my table as often. And they're long too. Yeah. So I guess some of the games that I would consider to be comfort games for me. Well, definitely Strike is a comfort game because (laughs) it's so easy to teach. It's so approachable. And I'm pretty sure almost no one I've ever introduced it to has disliked it. (laughs) Like, yeah. 
I want to say, I think Sam Healy was not impressed. Or no, no, Sam liked it. No, Sam liked it. Z did not like it. Z didn't like it. Yeah. Which is crazy. Z should like it. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like Z should like it. I'll have to make him try it again sometime. But so Strike is a comfort game. King Domino for me is a comfort game because it's also easy to teach. Quick. Approachable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number nine is another one. Medieval Academy is another one. I'm kind of like, I've said this in the past, but I'm a Medieval Academy fangirl I don't know what the right term is but like not a lot of people talk about medieval academy and I think more people should be playing that game because it's a lot of fun and it's pretty easy to teach and then another one for me is balderdash which balderdash is great with my friends with my family with anybody I think balderdash is also a kind of underrated party game because a lot of people don't talk about it anymore and it's honestly one of my favorites yeah and on that note um with my family I guess a comfort game would be Pictionary. So this is specifically with my parents and brother, like my nuclear family. Growing up, we played Pictionary a lot. We also have house rules so that it's always all play. I know this doesn't work for everyone because not everyone played Pictionary all the time growing up, but we're all, we've all like had reached a certain skill level of Pictionary because we've played it so much. So we have like all these shorthand things that we're good at guessing and good at drawing. Well, it's not good drawing, it's good like <laughs> drawing to get people to realize what you're drawing <laughs> like circles and stuff but but yeah so that's really easy for us to get out and play and we always have a good time playing it so that's another comfort game for me i think um so we we actually asked uh some of our show's patrons uh mm-hmm. to tell us some of their favorite comfort games and they mentioned family a lot in their yeah. uh, responses as well karen said that rummy cube is one of her favorites she learned to play it from one of her dad's cousins and she's gifted it to other people who don't play a lot of games because it's approachable she says she just really enjoys playing it with her family. Uh, Nick agreed that Rummy Cube is still great and it holds mm-hmm. up. And so did David. David said Rummy Cube also works with his family during the holidays. Um, and that's kind of why we wanted to talk about this topic right now. I think in December, you know, a lot of people are spending time with family who may not be as into board games as us. <laughs> I think that's generally... A, if you listen to board game podcasts, probably your family members aren't as into board games as you are. But yeah, so... Having comfort games and family games together, that makes sense because a lot of times family is what you think of with comfort because they're, like, they're your family, they're your home. So playing games that you play with them also brings comfort. Yeah. So John mentioned that he in, that his comfort games are Quicks, the Roll and Write game, and Code Names. Uh, he said they're pretty easy to teach, they don't take too long to play, and they're fun to play with a variety mm. of player counts. I think that's also a good point that we hadn't brought up, is games that allow for different player counts can be comforting, because I also have those moments at game night sometimes where I really want to play a game but we have just the slightly wrong number of people for it, either too little or too much. Um, And so something like Welcome To, for instance, which can be played with literally any number of players, is comforting because you don't have that moment of, okay, so who is going to play this game of the people that are here? Uh, I like not having to have that awkward moment. Mike said for us it's Dixit. Their cards are pretty worn out because they've played with so many different people that he's lost count. So, yeah, that's another thing. Like, playing a a game a lot of times, you're just so comfortable with playing it. That's a comfort game. 
Josh said that his two comfort games are Gravwell and Lost Cities. He said he played Lost Cities right uh, when his kid's mom was pregnant and about to give birth, and then after she gave birth to their kids. So I, I can see that. That's neat that they're, one of the comfort games is tied into a specific memory. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gravwell is a great game that, honestly, again, I don't feel like enough people talk about, um, but I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. And then last but certainly not least, Rachel said she asked her family as they were driving back from PAX Unplugged, uh, Adam picked Kingsburg and their son chose King of Tokyo as his comfort game. And then she says that as a family, they're always in the mood to play Pina Pirata. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, And Love Letter, no matter how tired they are. Uh, I was not familiar with Pina Pirata, so I looked it up on Board Game Geek and it's from Yellow and it came out in 2014. Um, and I actually don't know much about this game, so I'm kind of curious. Games like lighter games like this from Yellow, I tend to enjoy quite a bit. So I might have to check that one out at some point. It looks interesting. But we really appreciate our patrons uh, chiming in on this discussion. It's nice to hear what games people, you know, get that warm and cozy feeling from. And uh, we would love to hear from some of our listeners what your comfort games are. So head over to our BGG Guild and comment on the thread for this episode, or head over to Twitter and uh, tweet at us, at BoardGameBlitz, and let us know what your comfort games are, however you want to define that, because we would love to hear from you. For this week's etymology segment, I'm going to dig into the origins of the word familiar. The English word familiar, meaning intimate, very friendly, or on a family footing, dates back to the mid-14th century and came from the old French word familier, which meant related or friendly. That word can be traced back to the Latin word familiaris, meaning domestic, private, belonging to a family, or of a household, as well as familiar, intimate, or friendly. The word family can be traced back through similar root words in Latin as familiar, hence the reason they sound similar in English. The definition of the English word familiar, meaning of or pertaining to one's family, originated in the late 14th century. The definition known from long association originated in the late 15th century. And the noun version of familiar, meaning demon or evil spirit that answers one's call, can be traced back to the 1580s. But even earlier than that, in the late 14th century, the noun version of the word just meant a familiar friend. So obviously, we like games that are familiar to us, and we hope you enjoy being a little bit more familiar with the etymology of the word familiar. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. City of Gears, a unique steampunk game of exploration, area control, worker placement, and engine building, is available for pre-order now at GrayFoxGames.com. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. If you're enjoying the show, you can write and review us on your podcast provider or consider becoming a patron. For as little as $1 a month, you can unlock access to unedited episodes and our private Slack channel, which lets you chat with us and other Blitzketeers directly. Head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Board Game Blitz is a part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time... Meeples ring, are you listening? In the game, points are glistening. 
A beautiful sight for gaming tonight. Playing in a board game wonderland. Bye, everyone. Bye. I think a lot of people are tur are bleh, bleh. <laughs> I'm just gonna start over. <laughs> For this week's etymology segment, I'm going to dig into the word. Good. Perfect. At least I messed up in the first sentence. <clears throat> I haven't had this many, like, blah, blah moments in a while. I don't know what's happening. I guess I'm out of practice. Getting back to. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It's alliteration time, everyone. Uh, all right, so we didn't do alliteration in the BGGCon recap episode because we were live at BGGCon, but a couple episodes ago, we asked you to retheme a game about obscure word definitions to be played on a second level terrace overlooking a fancy space where people dance. What game was that, Ambie? That was Ballroom Balcony Balderdash. Yeah, and we definitely got some correct answers for that one. Mm -hmm. So good job to everyone who guessed that one correctly. For this episode, we are asking you to retheme a somewhat recent Spiel des Jahres winner for a classroom filled with very thoughtful and nice young school children. Good luck, everyone.